we're in a mode now of really having come halfway through the tough part of Revelation. Chapter 19, and I'm not going to read through it. We're going to walk through it this time. Normally we read it, but we'll do a walk through. Father, help us now to really pick out those things that you want to speak to us. Anoint your word. Anoint our ears and our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. The Lamb and His Bride. Revelation 19. And this is the blessing that we read to ourselves every Sunday that we've been going through this book. Let's read it together. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and hear the things which they read, for the time is near. Amen. The time is near. Come, Lord Jesus. The Lamb and His Bride. Looking at the heavenly praise in verses 1 to 10. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. I believe that that was the united statement of heaven. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And we sense that, I'm sure, in our hearts. Actually, this chapter 19 is a continuation of chapter 18, going all the way to verse 10. And last week we went through chapter 18. I don't need to apologize, I don't believe, but that last week was the harshest message I have ever preached. And if you went away cringing or was the pastor mad? Not mad in the sense of out of his mind, but was he angry? Yes. Yes, I was. And I believe that, like we had said, anger needs to be displayed in a righteous manner. The wrath of God is based on his righteousness. We've said that before, and we say it again. And so we need to be, in our anger, be angry righteously. For the things that you see and understand, this is a wrong. This is not right. This is not just. This is not righteous. Let the anger of God Burn in your heart in prayer for the persecuted as well as in prayer for those who are persecuting. One of our number one prophets in the Bible, can I call him a prophet? Paul was a persecutor. He killed Christians. He jailed them. And he stood and watched them being killed and stoned. But God changed his heart and encountered him on the Damascus Road and was able to get through 
to his hard heart and spoke to him right where it hurt the most. Why are you persecuting me? That's how close Jesus looks at those who are being persecuted for Jesus Christ's sake. Yes, we feel badly for those who are imprisoned, but they are being persecuted not because of themselves, but because of Jesus Christ. Chapter 19 begins as kind of a postlude of chapter 18, which then turning around the other way, these verses are a prelude to what we're looking forward to. Let's continue. Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. We talked about that last week. God's vengeance is not something that you can just blow off and say, well, that didn't hurt. And the second time they said, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. The harlots demise her being destroyed. That rises up forever and ever. Where is that smoke? What is that smoke? I don't know. I was talking with Katie this week. Is it like the nuclear power plant in Fukushima? No, 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 no. That is such a small, insignificant happening. No, this is something more vivid and encompassing. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. But hallelujah. There are four hallelujahs in this passage. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we're not going to be sitting around, I don't think, in heaven. We're going to be falling down a lot in heaven. Good exercise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah is actually a word for praise, but I understand it's, it's not really a verb. It is a statement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's like, wow. You know what? The Jews use that word constantly. It's like, wow, incredible. I can't believe it. Here's the incredible thing. 
The Yah is what we're talking about. It's Him, the Most High God. Hallelujah! Yahweh, the One who sent His Son, who came to redeem us to the Father. Hallelujah. 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 For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. His bride has made herself ready. Who is his bride? We, the church. And not just us, not just those upstairs, not just the churches in Japan, but he is the Lord of all the churches, including those ones that had preceded us and those who are in the future our eternal God. We are his bride. We are the one who has fallen in love with him. Fallen in love is, is not really the concept. We are made to love him. We are redeemed to love him. That's what it means to be in love with Jesus Christ, is to be redeemed. His bride has made herself ready. And one of the reasons why I was so angry last week in my message was because it was come out of her, the harlot, come out of her, people of God. Because we are compromising ourselves. Know where the lines are. Know where you have stepped over the line. And the Lord has been convicting me also of stepping over the line, meaning taking a step into the world and becoming like the world. She's made herself ready. That's what we're about in gathering here and studying God's word and this book in particular, Revelation. His bride has made herself ready. A wedding isn't, oh, I just got married yesterday. No, that's not what it's like. It's that I have been changed from the inside out. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Linen is made of flax. It's very hard to process and to make cloth. You know what flax is? It's wheat, it's a sheaf of, of wheat. But it is a very sturdy cloth. It's a very expensive cloth. It's a very smooth cloth. But it has distinct grains in it. You can see the grains. She's been given cloth, fine linen, and the marks of Jesus Christ should be showing in us what our character and our person is. Oh, I recognize that person. I don't know his name, 
but he has the nature and character of Jesus Christ. I wonder if that's what Jesus meant when he said, if a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it'll produce a hundredfold in us, and we're clothed in his righteousness. Bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. That didn't come by our nature. That came by the nature of Jesus Christ in us. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord that it's his righteousness that will attract people to Jesus Christ. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Yes, we're invited. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But let's read on. But he said to me, Do not do that. Do not worship me. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And this angel says, I'm just like you. I'm a created creature. Don't worship me. Worship him who is eternal. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? What's the idea of, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy? I think there's many things that we could say about that. And I discovered several opinions on that. But basically, what I think it means is that this book talks about one person. Basically, this talks about one person. Yes, there's thousands of names in here, but there's only one name that is the center name in the Word of God. That is the Lamb. That is Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's what inspired this book from the very beginning. This is the testimony of Jesus. The return of Jesus Christ is in verses 11 to 16. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true. Who do you think that is? Let's all say his name, Jesus. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. We've already stated that. His eyes are a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems, crowns. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. Incredible. We're going to learn what that name is, I'm sure. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. When we were going through, I think it's chapter 16, we understand why that robe was dipped in blood. Because he was tramping on the winepress, bringing judgment against those who had persecuted the church. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, 
white and clean were following him on white horses. And again, I ran into a discrepancy as to opinions of who were these armies. Someone said, well, these are the combined armies of angels and the redeemed. And I couldn't really find who are these armies. But one thing I know, they are clothed in white linen and they're riding on white horses. And I think I've told you, I had a black horse growing up. His name was Pirate. <laughs> Nothing like these white horses. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? The armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses, from which his mouth comes a sharp sword. This is the very important part now. So that with it, he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress for the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for your victory. And then we come to the last battle. And then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. The contrast of those who continue to follow the false prophet, those who have been sucked into praise and worship of the beast, followers of Satan. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on a horse and against his army. It's interesting that in this, John does not name Jesus, but he describes who he is. And who he is is where we get his name. He's Joshua, Yeshua, the one who gives us salvation. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. And that is the end of them. And the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And we have it again. Not the name of Jesus, but it describes who he is. The one who sat on the horse, from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. He's the commander-in-chief. He's the great one. He's the one that leads the entire host of heaven. And then all of the birds were filled with their flesh. Revelation 1.16 talked about this aspect of, of Jesus Christ. 
he held in his right hand seven stars, and a sharp double-edged sword came out of his mouth. What is this double-edged sword? You know it. What is it? The Word of God. This book. You know, looking at the Bible, we often start here in Japan with the book of Mark, possibly, because why? It's a short gospel. Well, that's a feeble excuse. No, I like the book of Mark. Or we'll start with the book of John, because John is so loving and, and just really has that heart of Jesus. And it does. It's true. When I started as a new missionary here, I thought, I'm going to start with Mark. And I didn't even get through the first chapter. And the guys that I had gathered together from our community, Japanese men, businessmen, they said, we don't understand this. And so I don't think we even finished the first chapter of Mark. And I said, well, where should I begin? Well, the questions that they were asking was, we don't even know who God is. So guess where I went? Genesis. For Japan, Genesis. Because we have to get it straight. Who is Kami? Who are we talking about? It's not just some idol. It's not just some figure from fantasy. No, we're talking about the living God. The one who spoke and it was done. So we went through Genesis, and this is what we came up with. Eight times in chapter one, then God said, then God said. And that established our Bible study. That's what Japan needs to hear about the living God, the creator God, God our Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one that says, son, go get your bride. The time has come. Go get your bride. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. May we be excited about it. May we understand that without it, we would be very, very lost. Thank you for the fact that Jesus Christ is the word of God. And in his mouth is a double-edged sword. Continue to use that, even in our own lives, to speak clearly to us in those areas that we are not yet really redeemed and we we're still in the world. We don't want to be of it. We honor you as our commander-in-chief, our warrior king who fought for us. And if you call us, we would lay down our life for you. Give us strength and give us an understanding of what we need to do to prepare ourselves in this day and age. And may that make a huge difference in our lives and in the relationships that we have here in Japan. 
We pray for this nation. Oh, Father, Lord Jesus Christ, change lives here that they may see Jesus in the church. Thank you for this quiet time.